And so we've been in the middle of a sermon series called The Counselor. And it's a four-part sermon series. And so what we're doing here is we're looking at different questions that the Lord Jesus asked. And let me tell you this, and I shared this uh, with you before when we first started this series, is when I went to a counselor, I thought I was going to sit down and I was just going to blab away and they were going to tell me how to fix my life. You know, you ever seen those stereotypical lounge chairs, right, where you're just like laying down and you're just spitting out your life and the counselor's there with a notepad, drawing pictures pictures of you with your head unscrewed. Uh, You know, that was my picture of what it was like to to be in counseling until I got to my first session of counseling. When I got to my first session of counseling, uh, the counselor began to ask me questions. And I said, time out. One second. This isn't supposed to be like that. Um, You're supposed to fix me, not ask me questions, deep questions, that paralyzed me and I don't know how to answer them and caused me to enter into, into deep thought. But we see actually that this is Jesus' practice too. So he, Jesus asked questions to counsel, to lead people into the truth. And maybe you missed earlier weeks, but on the first week we looked at Jesus asking his disciples in the middle of a storm, why are you so afraid? And last week we saw Jesus asking two blind men that were asking for healing, do you believe I can do this? And next week on Easter weekend, we are going to land this plane and we're going to deal with one of the most common spiritual challenges in all of Christianity. We're going to talk about spiritual doubts. And here's the question that we're going to base ourselves around. After the resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples and here's what Jesus says. Jesus asks them, Why did you doubt? Didn't didn't you know I could do this? Didn't you know I'd be back? Haven't I been telling you this whole time? I'm going to go away. I'm going to die. I'm coming back in glory. Why why did you doubt me? Today, though, we're going to talk about a very important subject. Jesus asked a man who had been sick for over 38 years, Do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? And what I want to do is, if you will, listen to this message today through the lens of an ongoing problem that you might have in your life. Is anybody here problem free? Y'all got issues? I'm sorry. I I guess you guys are good. You don't need Jesus. You're fine. Do you have issues? Amen. I got issues. If I could, I'd lift up both my hands and my feet. I got a whole lot of issues. And I'm sure you do too. But I'm not talking about short-term problems here that are here, but then they're gone in a few weeks. I'm talking about ongoing problems, struggles that you have for a long time. For some of you, it's an ongoing medical issues. Maybe you've had chronic headaches or some sort of pain that just won't go away. Maybe it's an ongoing depression that hasn't left you for months or years. Some of you, perhaps you have an ongoing problem with overspending, overeating or overcommitting. For some of you, it may be an addiction that won't go away. So I don't know what your deal is, but whatever it is, you're trying to quit. And it's something that you just haven't been able to quit. So for some of you, it may be an ongoing challenge in a relationship with someone you love. Maybe you just can't seem to get along with your your dad. Or maybe your marriage is really broken. 
It could be a number of different relationships, but you just can't seem to understand or to get them to a place where they're working. So I want you to listen to this message through the lens of whatever ongoing challenge that you have. And we're going to believe that in a moment in the presence of Jesus, we can be changed. So John 5 is our text. We're going to look from verses 1 through 9 and then we're going to talk about in detail. John chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 1 and I'm going to read it to you. John said this. He said, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. So I've been here, by the way. Uh, I've been to Bethesda. It's a place that you could have gotten to by the temple. There was literally a walkway that would go from the temple into Bethesda. They literally just discovered this first century walkway that Jesus and his disciples would have taken the very last time that I was in Israel, which was just about three years ago. But this is not a regular pool. This is actually a natural body of water, and we're going to see kind of what happens here. Um, Verse 3 says, Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And you might say, you might ask yourself the question, "What, what are they doing here? You see, there was a tradition that an angel would actually stir up the water. And whenever the water would begin to bubble up, they believed that whoever got into the water first would be healed. And so you can only imagine, people might there be waiting their days or weeks that as soon as the water would begin to bubble up, it's a free-for-all. Who can jump in and rush into the water first? So verse 5 says this, One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. So how long has he been there? 38 years. So verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? That seems kind of like an insulting question, don't you think? Right? That's like asking a broke guy, do you want a hundred bucks? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like asking a hungry guy, do you want to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet? (laughs) It's like my wife asking me, hey, do you want to make out? I mean, yeah, this is an obvious question, right? I got an answer for that. (laughs) You know? Do do you want to be made well? Um, uh, 38 years in this condition. I think uh, the answer is... uh, Yes, Jesus, I, I, I kind of do. I want to I wanna get up from here. I want to I be healed. I want to start my wife new. So verse 7 says this. He says, Sir, the invalid replies. After Jesus asks him, do you want to be made well? He says, uh-uh. one problem, sir. <clears throat> I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, somebody else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. See, a moment in the presence of Jesus changed everything for this man. So today I want to talk to you about problems and issues and sinful lifestyles that persist in your life. For 38 years this man was sick. And a moment in the presence of Jesus changed everything. And I see at least three significant challenges for problems that persist. And perhaps you can relate 
to these. So I want to take you through them so that we're all on the same page. If you're taking notes or you're following an outline, the first one is this. The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. Right? Some of you that have an ongoing problem and it just won't go away. You've prayed for it for a while and just nothing uh, changes. And you tried what you thought might help and, and nothing worked. And so you kind of became discouraged about it. You try to work on your marriage. You prayed about it. You were nice. You went to church together. Your marriage is still on the rocks. And years later, you're like, I don't think anything is going to help us anymore. You prayed about some physical problem that you had and you went to some doctor. You tried another doctor. You tried another doctor. And you're just sick of going to the doctor so much. And you prayed some more and nothing got better and you became very discouraged. And even to this point, maybe you've just settled. And you said, maybe this is my lot in life. Maybe this is just what God has for me. The second thing, if you're taking notes, the longer a problem persists, the more excuses you tend to make. You start making excuses because ultimately it's going to make you feel better if you put the blame somewhere else. And that's what this guy does. He says, Jesus... I got no one to help me to get into the water. When I try to go in, I can't walk. They all run by me and I'm just left there completely helpless, hopeless. Jesus, no one can help me. And let me tell you, I, I really don't want to be too, you know, too hard on this guy at all because I've never been a disabled person or an invalid person. And it would certainly be difficult. But let's be honest. There might have been a way for him to get closer to the water. He couldn't walk, but he might have been able to crawl, right? Whatever it took to get there. I'm telling you, if I'd been at this poolside for 38 years, I probably would have been at the edge every day with my legs out in the water, being the ready, the first one to take the, the first dive in. I'm gonna mean, I would have made my way there. If there was something that could have healed me, I probably would have been the first one there. I mean, even if I had to be by the edge of the pool with a finger ready to go in the first time that, that I would see the stirring of the waters. I mean, I would, have, I would have done something to get there. I would have done whatever it took so that I could have my healing. I think over a period of months of me being there, I would have figured out I would have rolled, you know, or, or something. I would have gotten to the edge of the water and as soon as the bubble appeared, I would have rolled myself right in. Somehow I would have said, I can get there. But this guy gets to a place that we often get to when there's an ongoing problem in our lives. He gets to this place where he says, no one will help me out. I can't do anything about this. Oh, my marriage, man. It's never going to get any better. You see, I've been to the doctors. I've, I've tried already. I can't get a good job because I don't have a college degree. I went to counseling once and it didn't do anything good for me. I even tried church for two weeks straight and nothing happened to me. I've tried everything and I can't get better. You see, the longer an issue persists in your life, the more discouraged you become, the more excuses you begin to make about why you got there, how you got there, and why you're staying there. Because it's easier to put excuses out than it is to find solutions. See, but the problem with us is that excuses are all based on us or on the people around us. Excuses are people-based. Solutions are, are God-based. So you may have given hope on people, 
a long time ago. But there's a God who's never given up hope on you. The third thing is the longer a problem persists, the more you tend to compensate. The longer a problem persists, the more you compensate for that problem. In fact, if I can just say it directly to some of you right now, you're excelling at compensating for the issues in your life. Some of you, you're highly functioning alcoholics. It puts stress on your marriage, but professionally, you're highly functioning. People don't know, and if they do know, they don't really care. Because you figured out how to function in your life. Even though you have a significant addiction. Some of you in your marriage, you just learn to exist in a dead marriage. You don't like it, but you accept it. It's just the way things are. You've done everything you know how to do. You have no common vision. There's no intimacy. There's no spiritual movement in your marriage. It's more of a business relationship, a partnership. You know how many people I've sat down with that tell me, we're just going to stay in this because of the kids. That's all we have. We don't really like it, but we we know how to manage it. We're just going to stay this way. Let me tell you something. I had a good conversation with my kid, and I try to remind her of this all the time. I told my wife the other day, I said, man, when Micah gets to three years old, I said, my parents never did this. I said, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I said, when Micah gets to three years old and we can finally leave them, I said, you and me, even if it's for three days, we're going out, we're going by ourselves, we're taking a vacation. And my daughter goes, she was in the bed with us last night. She fell asleep in the bed with us last night. And she goes, how about me? Am I going on vacation? I said, we take you on vacation every time we go. But this time, it's about mama and dada. Because if I don't love your mother well, then I cannot love you well as my kid. I need to love her well. Because that is where it all began. And you are a product of that love. But it began here. With me and her. Sometimes you just need to refuse to be in dead places. Some of you, you've learned to compensate for a pornography problem. You tell yourself it really doesn't matter that much. And you've learned all the best steps. I've been there. I've done that. You learn how to erase your computer and internet history so that you don't get caught. You've learned how to stay away from getting caught. And you think it's not just a big, that big of a deal. <coughs> Everybody does it. I'm just a man. But you're just compensating. Some of you, you've learned to compensate for overspending. People look at you and think, man some fly shoes they dress in the nicest clothes my god are those Jordans is that a BMW you're driving I mean life must be real good for you let me tell you something I lived in the middle of New York City right and I used to hang out with my friends in the projects and the brokest people got the most expensive clothes Hello. You may have a problem with overspending. Everybody thinks that you're living your best life now. But no one knows that you've been living to paycheck to paycheck for so long. You don't even know how you're going to get out of trouble. And you're the master of maxing out your credit card. And that credit card. And when that credit card gets difficult to pay... You got a new credit card and you begin to rob Peter to pay Paul and you begin to learn how to compensate for an overspending issue in your life. Here's the problem. Listen to me. You cannot change until you recognize that there's an issue.
You will never ever change if you are tolerating an issue in your life. You cannot change what you are willing to tolerate. You can't change what you're willing to tolerate. The bottom line is Jesus asked this guy, do you want to be well? Why would he ask him that? Well, perhaps it's because Jesus knew that you can't just help someone who needs help. You can only help someone who wants help. And he asked him this very specific question. Do you want to be made well? In fact, sometimes people would ask, what's the greatest hindrance uh, to faith? What's the greatest obstacle to faith? Well, some of you will be like, oh, pastor, duh, you're going to talk about that next week. It's doubt. Some people would say fear is the greatest obstacle to faith. Some of you would say worry is the greatest obstacle to faith. And those are all good answers. But I would argue that the the greatest obstacle to faith is familiarity. For so many people, the familiar is the biggest obstacle to faith. You see, you don't understand. For 38 years, I've been unable to walk. You don't understand. I have tried everything possible. I got my resume of excuses ready to go, and I don't like it, but I've learned to manage around it, and you just start to accept what is rather than believing in what could be. You see, you don't understand, Pastor Tom. I'm a dumb person. I'm just an average student. I knew that in the second grade, and I know it today. Well, guess what? If you function as a dumb person since the second grade and you haven't changed and you've settled in that mindset, guess what you'll be your whole life? Dumb. If you settle into your issues, you're declaring what you will be for the remainder of your life. Pastor Tom, you have no idea our family. We just struggled financially for years. My parents did. I did. My kids probably will. And that's just the way it is. I told my wife, I said, no way, no how. I said, I will break my back to make sure that my kids will never struggle the way I did. Never. Curse ends. I'm not willing to accept it because I won't tolerate it. You don't understand, Pastor Tom. I try to overcome this addiction, but I just can't seem to do it. I've tried to give it up several times. I just can't seem to do it. Here's the bottom line for you today. Until your desire to change becomes bigger than your issue, you will not begin to find healing in your life. Your desire for change must be bigger than the issue that is persisting. So the answer is, do you, the question is, do you want to be made well? Do you want to? Are you willing to let go of familiar places, familiar spaces, and do something about it? Because honestly, for some of us, You're compensating for making excuses. Yes, you're discouraged, but you're simply used to living where you are. And I believe that the Spirit of God would ask you today, do you really want to be well? Do you really want to be out of debt? Because for some of you, shopping is your drug of choice. You may say you want it, but your actions don't say it. Do you really want to be out of debt? Do you really want to overcome the addiction that has held you hostage for years? Because some of you, you are so comfortable in the known. And even though the known is uncomfortable, they're more comfortable in the uncomfortable. You're more comfortable being ratchet and ragged in the situation that you are than not knowing what the future 
holds for you. You're scared of what freedom could look like. You're scared of not being the same person anymore. Well, I came to tell you the Bible says that Jesus came to call us to be new in him. I know what it's like to be in this prison and I may not like it, but at least I know what this is like. I don't know what that's like. Do you really want to find healing in a relationship? Do you really want to be made well? Because you can't just help someone who needs help. You can only help someone who wants help. And you cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. And until your desire becomes bigger than your issue, you'll not start to find healing in your life. So Jesus asked the question, do you want to be made well? And here's what this guy says. The guy says, hey, I've got no one to help me. I've got no one to help me out. And Jesus looked at the guy and he said, get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. Notice Jesus heals the guy supernaturally. I want you to notice three things in this moment. Number one, the sick guy didn't even ask to be healed. Number two, he did nothing to earn it or deserve it. And number three, the the healing did not happen the way he thought it would. And this is going to speak to somebody today. Jesus did for him what he didn't even ask Jesus to do. This is one of the million reasons why your greatest priority in life needs to be to press into the presence of God. To get to know his son Jesus. That's why when you wake up in the morning, you need to say, God, today I exist to give you glory. I want to live my life in such a way that it makes a difference for you. My life is not my own. I surrender it to you. And as you get to know Jesus and as you press into Jesus and as you get close to Jesus and listen to me, he will do things for you that you never even asked him to do. He'll bring healing in your life in areas where you didn't even know you needed healing in your life. He'll change your thought processes in ways that you didn't even know that you were dysfunctional. He'll bring forgiveness and healing into your heart in areas that you didn't even know that you were sick in. And when you get close to Jesus, he will do things for you that you didn't even ask him to do. He didn't deserve it. He didn't earn it. And Jesus didn't heal the man because the man was good. Jesus healed the man because Jesus was good. And that's called grace. We can't earn it. We're not good enough for it. We can't give our way to get to it. We can't work our way to get to it. He gives us blessings untold because of his goodness. Because of his grace. And for his glory, he did this thing. The third thing you'll notice is the healing didn't come in the way the man thought it would. If I can just get to the water, I'll be healed. But the healing didn't come through the water. Some of you, you've been searching for healing in this particular way, in this category. You're searching for it in the water, but I came to tell you it may not come through the water. But it will come through the living water. His name is Jesus. Who does something in a way that you didn't even expect it to be done. And I don't know who I'm talking to today. But for some of you, you're in financial trouble and you keep on buying lottery tickets hoping that it'll get you out. Thus saith your pastor, it ain't coming through your lottery tickets. It's not coming that way. You expect it through one way and God may bring you a blessing, a healing, and a transformation in a way that you never expected to receive it before. And that is the power of a good God. Amen. Let me tell you, I've been there. 
There were areas in my life, I'm going to give you just two snapshots into my life. One related to the church. For years, the moment I got into this church, I desired for this church to be something greater, but something else. And I've worked hard, and I've pressed in, and I've busted my behind, and I've cried tears, and I've shed blood, and I've put my family through hell just to see the church rise up to be something. And my whole thing was that one day, hey, Risen King will be a mega church. I'm going to work hard and hard and hard and hard and hard to make sure that that happens. Until I went through a season in my life that was more, felt like more loss than it was blessing. And I had to begin to see maybe my dream is in God's dream. Maybe my thoughts and my ideas were mine and they weren't God's. And so slowly felt like a, something that began to cocoon into itself. Like a fetal position. Felt like I lived my life from that place for a long time. So I felt like God began to, to, to birth something in, in me. Something that looked different. And, and I felt like God was telling me, this is not what I want you to pursue. This is not the route I'm calling you to go. And I began to think and I began to say, what's wrong with an awesome small church? Not that I settle in that place. Not that we wouldn't continue to push harder. And then I began to listen to a mega church conference. And here's what they said in that conference. In a megachurch, from megachurch pastors and from researchers, the message was all the same throughout. They began to recognize one thing. And here's what they said. The age of the megachurch is over. The age, and here's what they said. This is all they talked about the entire conference. The microchurch is on the rise. And here's what they said. They said, would you rather have a thousand people meeting in one building and only 125 of them are on mission for Christ? Or would you rather have a hundred churches of 100 people where all of them are serving on mission for Christ? And I began to change and think and say, well, this is, gee, this looks different. Why can't we be excellent as a smaller church? There's nothing that would stop us. In fact, we always try to emulate that. But I began to think, well, what if God is calling us to start new churches? And maybe the increase that is coming is not necessarily for us to buy new buildings and new stuff and do new things with. What if it's for us to send people out with pastors into churches, into communities and towns that don't have a God? gospel church that don't have an evangelical presence in those communities to begin to start new churches what if that is what God has called us to do I want you to know something I don't hate our mega churches I love them believe me I don't but this is a true statistic smaller churches produce more pastors missionaries than larger churches do bet you didn't know that 
More church, more pastors, more missionaries, more gospel workers are produced in smaller churches than larger churches. That's just simple research. That's not made up stuff. And so God began to show me maybe some dreams need to die in your life so that new things can be birthed. Maybe some ideas were birthed in you and what you saw other churches doing on the outside. But that's not what I'm calling you to do. Maybe what you have will look different from what everybody else has. Maybe what you, the way you expect God to deal with your issue is not how God dealt with John and Jane Doe and the same issue that they had. Maybe God will come and break through in a different way. That was one thing. Second thing I'm going to tell you. March 4th, 2018, my life changed. I've been a father for At that point, three and a half years. And for the first time in my life, I held a boy in my hands. I had girls. My first two were girls, and I finally held a boy in my hand. And something strange that I didn't know was there. I thought I could be a great father to this boy all throughout my pregnancy. Until some stuff began to manifest in my life that I didn't realize was an effect of how damaged I view relationships between fathers and sons. Until God began to deal with me and enter into the cobwebs of my soul and began to work inside of me to produce a healing inside of me that my and I, every time I grab that boy I say to that boy you saved me. You saved me for myself. I didn't know how angry and dysfunctional I was in this area of my life until you came and you exposed something that revealed it to the power of the cross so that Jesus can truly heal me. It may not ever come the way you think, but Jesus says get up, take up your mat and walk. And if you're taking notes, Jesus essentially said this to him. I don't want to hear your excuses anymore. I want to see your faith. Don't you tell me what you can't do. Don't tell me what you're not able to do. What other people won't do for you. I just want to see you get up, stand up, and walk. I will do for you what you cannot do, but I want you to do what only you can do. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to heal you. But I want to see your faith in action. For 38 years you've been talking about what you're unable to do. But I want to see what your faith really can do. I want you to have the courage and the faith to step away from the familiar. Because the familiar is the greatest hindrance to your faith. And you're going to have the faith to stand up. And when you think your legs are not capable of supporting you, all of a sudden they will. And this is going to talk to somebody today. Because someone's going to take a step of faith to overcome a problem that you gave up on years ago. And I don't know what it will look like for you. You may drop your cigarettes in the garbage can as you walk out of the door. You may confess to your life group a challenge where you need help in. You may check yourself into a rehab or call a counselor, but you will take a significant step of faith because guess what? You're bright people. And if some small tweak would have helped you overcome this problem, you would have done it years ago. And God is going to touch you. And you're going to take a step of faith. And for some of you, you will experience healing instantly. I'm believing that. Other of you, you may begin the process of a journey that leads to your healing. You thought it was going to come through the water. 
you had no idea that you were going to walk into church and the presence of God was going to meet you here today. And you were going to be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it would spark something in you that only God can do. And other people are going to be looking and going, why are you so excited? Why do you have such hope? Why do you have such freedom? And you say, I can't explain it, but God was with me. God spoke to me. You see, I experienced Christ on that day. I felt his love on that day. And even though I walked in without hope and just thought this is the way it's always going to be, today I have hope because I've been with Christ. Do you want to be well? Do you want to overcome the addiction that's held you hostage? Do you want to be free of worry and anxiety and the fear that keeps you up at night? Do you want to be free of an angry spirit that hurts every relationship you've ever been around? Do you want to overcome the inability to trust people so that you can begin to trust and have intimacy with people once again? Do you believe that God is able to do anything and heal you of any physical sickness? Do you want to be made well? Because God just isn't going to help you if you need help. He helps those who want help. So do you want to be well? What changes do you need to make in your life? Every once in a while, you'll have to shift the gears on your life. Make changes so that you can get to a better place. You need to refocus, retool yourself, realize what's important and what's not. So do you want to be made well? I'm going to invite our worship team forward and I want to pray with you today. And here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray for you, the entire congregation. And after I pray for you, the entire congregation, we're going to have two prayer counselors that are going to be up here in the front and they're going to be willing to stay here with you pray with you work through your issues with you and believe with you that God can and will heal whether if it's instantaneous or through a process so would you join me in prayer church father I pray that your power your love and your spirit and your presence would minister faith hope and healing to your church today and as you pray many of you right now would say God is speaking directly to me I have an an ongoing problem I want to take it before God and believe by faith that he can make me well if that's your prayer every eye closed if that's your prayer would you lift your hand up to the heavens right now amen God bless you all thank you God for your presence in this place Thank you for your healing power through Jesus. God, I pray that in your presence, faith would be built. God, I pray that by your power, you would do miracles, that people would be set free, that people would be healed. And God, I know that you're going to work. And I know that you don't want to hear our excuses anymore. You want to see our faith. And so I pray, God, that we would take steps of faith as you lead us. And God, that you would see our faith and be pleased by it. God, we pray that in your presence, the healing would begin. We'll give you the glory for all that you do. Because we believe that you're a good God. We'll even do things that we don't ask for. Not because we're good, but because you're good. And we thank you, God. You may do them in a way that we don't expect. And we'll give you the glory. Because you're the only one 
worthy of praise for all the ages. Amen.